Okay, let's get it. Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST. And right here for the Locked on LSU podcast, it is Wednesday, April the 8th, 2020. Glad to have you hanging out with us here. Ed Ogeron gave an update on his team amid the quarantine uh, and shutdown. Uh, Garrett Brumfield, former LSU Tiger, stops by the show. And changes coming to the NBA draft, how might that impact the guys at LSU that decide to either return or go pro. We'll get to all that here over the next 20 minutes or so. Let's start, though, with uh, Ed Ogeron, who is a guest on Off the Bench with Jordy Collada and T-Bob Bear, as he is on Tuesdays. Great spot if you want to go hear the entire interview, but we'll hit some of the high points. Uh, first and foremost, um, the question everyone wants to know, and that's timeline, and that's kind of what everyone's thinking. And last week, the guys asked – Ed Ogeron, if you thought the season was in jeopardy, and he said no. Um, here was sort of a, a timeline and, and some of that as far as a follow-up from Ed. I guess what you would call the best answer ask for is, is obviously start the season on time, have camp, and have enough time to uh, get our guys trained in December, whatever that time may be, three or four weeks and start camp. Uh, nobody has told me that. I'm hopeful that we can get that done. You know what yeah. I'm saying? All all summer schools uh, courses are going to be online, so that doesn't mean that there'll be no summer school at LSU. Uh, the thing I'm worried about is there's a lot of high schools right now that our guys uh, still have some courses to complete mm-hmm. eligibility, and they're not get their, their high schools are not offering any courses this this spring uh, online because obviously a lot of the kids don't have uh, computers to take home. So that's another uh, hurdle we're going to have to cross. I would certainly hope that there would be a degree of academic leniency, not to say that you just shuffle people through, but understand that these are extreme circumstances and rare times, and hopefully that those student-athletes who need help uh, can get it to get eligible for the fall. Now, Ed Ogeron also updated kind of the format that he and his staff have followed throughout this quarantine period. Yeah, you know, we kind of have a format. We, we practice uh... – like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday are full working days for our staff from eight to five. Our coordinators this week are putting in short yardage and goal line. Uh, we're still putting in some first first down and third down stuff. Uh, we have a lot of young analysts. Thank God we got them because I don't know how to work them during Zoom meetings. <laughs> and, uh, I walk, uh, you know, I, I call them and they on those Zoom meetings. We had a Zoom meeting with the athletic staff. Uh, Scott Woodward had a Zoom meeting with all the head coaches last Friday. So we're finding ways to do things a different way, and uh, we're competing. Uh, Greg McMahon is at his house, and he is clinicking with other special teams coordinator on research and development. So uh, we're competing as best we can, but the MVP of the whole the whole deal is Tommy Moffitt. Tommy's calling everybody, everybody every day, making sure they're working out, and so is Walt Holiday. Walt's staying on top of their, their academics, uh, online courses. Uh, we have everybody that missed it. They missed the tutorial. Why they missed it? They missed the class. They're making it up. We stay on top of academics. The organization, the level of organization, is the thing that continues to stand out when you hear Ed Ogeron talk about this program and dotting every I and crossing every T amid this quarantine to make sure that they're taking advantage of every resource they have. Now, uh, they couldn't talk specifically about Jabril Cox by name until he signs with LSU or or, or shows up on, on campus and, and joins you know, joins the, the program. But, of course, the grad transfer market's been very good to LSU. And uh, the guys asked Ed Ogeron specifically about that. Well, first of all, it's LSU. Second of all, and we have some coaches that are very well versed in recruiting, and uh, they can branch out all over the country. And uh, one of the coaches that has really been instrumental is Bill Bush. And uh, 
Bill has done a great job of recruiting, especially the graduate transfers for us, and has done it again. And along with, you know, you can always, always see uh, the impact of a great coach. And, and here is Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini been with a month or so, so, and now you can see the difference that he's making. Guys want to come play for him. Two more things from Ed Ogeron. He was asked big, biggest question about offense and defense and, of course, not having a spring to alleviate or try to get some of the answers to those questions make things a bit complex. But here's Ed Ogeron talking about the questions they have on offense. Well, offensive line, let's go. You know, I, I do believe we're going to be very good on offensive line, but some guys got to come through. And uh, this not having this spring ball is, has hurt that group. Uh, I do believe Miles is going to be an outstanding quarterback, but I think the cohesiveness and the timing between him and the receivers are going to be critical. So whenever they let us back, those guys got to spend a lot of time together. Makes sense. When you lose four of your top six offensive linemen, uh, your your projected left tackle isn't even on campus. You don't know who your starting center is going to be. He's right. Somebody has to step up. And at times, LSU's had those guys step up, but it still remains to be seen at this point. So Tigers go into uh, 2020, presumably into fall camp, you know, knocking on wood here with a lot of questions there on the offensive line. Uh, but hopefully, well, certainly a lot of talented guys that can sort that out as the Tigers get into fall camp. And then what about on the defensive side of the ball? Well, defense going to the 4-3 defense. I feel strong about the front. We have some new linebackers uh, that, that's got to show up. Uh, obviously, Derek Stingley, who's going to be the next corner, I think we're, we're fine there with Cordell Flott, Jay Ward. I think those guys are going to be outstanding. And uh, I feel good about those guys. Right there is Jones is back. Uh, I think those guys are going to be outstanding there. If you want to catch the full interview with uh, Coach Joe with Jordy and T-Bob, you can go to 1045ESPN.com, click On Demand after further review, and it's right there. Okay, it's the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day. Former LSU offensive lineman Garrett Brumfield stops by. His pro career has been paused, and also what it was like watching the 2019 National Championship season in a pro locker room. That's uh, Garrett Brumfield next, Locked in LSU, your team every day. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Lots of uncertainty amid the shutdown, including where guys are going to play professionally. Uh, Garrett Brumfield is one of those who course uh, was spending this past season in the XFL with the New York Guardians when the season got prematurely stopped. He stopped by to talk about that and also watching the 2019 LSU National Championship season. Fun conversation with Garrett Brumfield. We started by talking about how he ended up in the XFL. Yeah, so I, um, you know, of course, came out of college, did the whole training thing last year. I went to Pittsburgh for OTA's minicamp, the whole nine. Um, when Camp and preseason ended, didn't make the team. Ended up getting released from Pittsburgh. So, you know, I kind of came back, tried to game plan, hoping to get on another NFL team. XFL opportunity came around in the fall. Um, honestly, like a, a month after, you know, they had the uh, XFL draft. Um, they decided to pick me from the New York Guardian. So uh, 
went up there, kind of had the same kind of thing. We did a little OTA mini camp deal in December. Uh, did well in that, well enough for them to invite me back to camp, obviously. Um, came back to camp with uh, the Guardians. We kind of had a, a center-based camp in, in Houston for the whole league. So we uh, did some some cross-team practices, stuff like that, some joint practices. And, um, yeah, just came back after then and was ready for the season. And, of course, you know, the corona thing kind of happened and cut us short, you know, so uh, – you know that was a little that was a little bit of a bummer, but it was you know great being able to have that opportunity. You know I met I met a myriad of people that are you know just coming from different walks of life. Of of course it was um, not the NFL, but it was still professional sports. So it was great being around people who had you know loads of experience, uh, just guys with great ideas, and being able to soak it up and be a sponge and uh, be able to take that with me to go back to the league. How do you think it, it compared? Like you mentioned, it's not the the NFL, but some of the other professional football leagues. I've heard guys talk about like the 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 uh, the alliance, for example. People talk about a lot of it was was unprofessionally. Obviously, didn't meet payroll. How did the professionalism of the XFL meet whatever standard you had for it or expectation that you had for it? Well, you know, I was a young guy myself, so I didn't have a whole bunch of NFL experience <laughs> at that point. I at about a total of four months. So, um, you know, just comparing the, the experiences, like I said, of course it wasn't the NFL, but it was it was a professional environment. And like I said, the, the, the teams were composed of um, guys who've been in the league for 20, 30, some odd years. Our, our head coach, Coach Kevin Gilbride, he um, had been the head coach in the league. Well, he'd, of course, been an offensive coordinator um, for quite some time. Um, we had, you know, a lot of talent to – come from the league you know obviously guys who were free agents um big name guys that they know like uh pj and um um malachi uh the list goes on you know but um i think as a whole you know it's pretty professional um they they came with an attitude ready to work you know i feel like we were able to get stuff done and uh make it into a product that people would want to watch on tv and be a part of and support and encourage garrett brumfield is our guest so you're with the Guardians, season starts, and then it ends abruptly. Um, yeah. Let's yeah. Let, take, take me to, you're, what, five weeks in, right? So you're, the, the Guardians, Guardians are three and two. You're preparing for week six. And just walk me through how the shutdown went through your eyes. Like, like where, where were you? What were you all doing? How did you all find out that you were being shut down? Yeah, that's the thing. So, um, you know, everybody was kind of playing it by ear. So I'd say about a week, a week and a half before you started seeing everybody, um, the NBA, the NHL, MLB, Disneyland, you know, everybody's setting stuff down, <laughs> canceling stuff. So, you know, it, it didn't look great, of course. You know, um, of course, like I said, it is professional sports, it's still a professional league, but it makes you feel like, hey, if the NBA is canceling the rest of their season, what is the XFL going to do? You know what I mean? So um, we kind of saw the writing on the walls. Like I said, played it by ear, waiting, waiting, waiting. Then uh, they ended up playing, posting the uh, the uh, Twitter bulletin saying that the season was suspended. And um, that was uh, that was officially the, the – that was finally the official word. But like I said, before then, um, everybody was pretty much tapped in and keyed into what was going to happen. So it wasn't – 
it wasn't a, a, a super surprise out of the blue. Were you at Were you at the facility when you found out? Were you home? Where Where were you when when you got the word? Um, I don't remember specifically. I mm. may have been home, but um, like I said, it was it was a uh, a deal to where it, it kind of wasn't surprising at all. Like I, it, it wasn't a shocker. Um, as far as being around sports, you know, things happen all the time. So with the with uh, miles firing, with the uh, death of a coach, or whatever the situation may be, honestly, I have to say that it was one of the situations where I wasn't surprised mm. throughout my career. That's interesting. Uh, always interesting to chat with Garrett Brumfield. At This Is Bruiser on Twitter, same on Instagram as well. The No Comment Podcast, I hope, drops this weekend, the first episode. So wh- what do you do now? I mean, there's obviously so much uncertainty. I mean, are you are you training? What like how do what, what do you do right now? Yeah, so that's the thing. Uh, the XFL is over. Um, they're not going to start another season, of course, till next year. The NFL has a lot of uncertainty going on right now as far as, you know, with corona and everything. Um, from what I'm hearing, um, they're still trying to figure out what's going to be the deal as far as OTAs, minicamp, because that is step one. Um, from what I understand, camp is still on. I don't believe that that's off. But, um, of course, you know, we got to see as far as, you know, vaccine, all of that, um, social distance, as far as to when people can get out of the house and start moving around. So that's really the biggest thing, you know, with the NFL, especially with my position, I'm a journeyman. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't a guy who came out and was the first-round pick. And with that, it was a lot of traveling, you know, going to visit teams, work out, um, whatever the case may be, and there's no traveling going on right now. So, you know, kind of kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. So uh, hoping that that shakes within the next few weeks or so. So I'm a... Uh, yeah, man, just staying into it and just um, waiting for another opportunity. So your your plan, your hope is to continue playing football next year, wherever, whenever that may be. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For sure. I um, you know, I I look at it like uh, you know, I've I've worked to get here and have these talents. So hey, I'm gonna keep using them as long as I can. And uh, my talents off the field. Hey, I don't have to go to class every morning anymore. So right. I'm gonna wake up and, and work on those talents too, and show the world those also. I hear you, man. Um. So let me get a, a couple of thoughts on on uh, watching this LSU season from this past year. I mean, I guess it it surprised everyone the degree to which they were successful. What was it like for you as a guy who knew most of those guys, played with most of those guys, to see what transpired in the 2019 season? Okay, oh. <laughs> I love when the story's <laughs> going to start with okay, okay, all right, okay. So I have to be honest season started if you would have told me that LSU was going to win the national championship I mean and those are my guys you know I'm with them every day but I I didn't you know I just didn't think that that was the thing you know and, and don't get me wrong of course that's what we play for that's what we win that that's what we practice for you know I was there all the years that's the goal is to win the Natty so you know you see the other teams everybody's talking about the other teams and then that Texas game started and I said oh yeah this is gonna be <laughs> This is going to be a season. And those guys, man, I tell you, they put their foot on the pedal and did not let up the rest of the year. And I just wanted to see them keep climbing, keep climbing, keep climbing. And they got to the summit of the mountain and stuck the flag down and all of that. And I'm just, I've never been this more proud of those guys in my life. Where did you watch the championship? Were you there for the championship game? No. So I didn't get to go. Okay. So ironically, I was uh, in camp with the XFL. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of guys got to go. A lot of former players got to go. Um, a lot of guys were in the NFL now, but I couldn't go because I was in my season in the XFL. So um, I got to watch it on TV at, at our um, hotel. We were having camp. So there was a bunch of guys who 
wanted to hate on LSU the whole time. They were, they were, oh, um, <laughs> Oklahoma's going to do this. Oh, Ohio State, if they see Ohio State, Ohio State's going to do this. Oh, Clemson's going to do this. And I tried to tell them, hey, man, y'all don't see what I've been seeing all year. Y'all don't see that, that, that Joe Burrow, that Clyde Edwards, that Joe Moore went in offensive line. They didn't see what I saw. And I knew what was going to happen. I looked into the crystal ball, and I said, LSU was going to bring it home. And they did exactly that. And I rubbed it in everybody's face. I played, I played the fight song. I played the fight song at full blast on our stereo system in our locker room. And I did the, the little dance that the, the, gold, the, the Tiger Girls do oh, uh, during the And let everybody feel it. And I rubbed it in really good. And I gave them a whole bunch of bomb, 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 bomb on my way. Who, who was the chief offenders? On your team, like who were the ones that were always up in your face about it that you got to rub it in the oh most? Oh my God, Marquise Williams. He he was one of our quarterbacks. That guy, for whatever reason, does not want to see LSU do well. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. But actually, I do. I do. I found the love that we have for the Tigers is the same amount of love that people have to hate us. But I don't get it. I don't understand it. What's his problem? I don't get it. Where's Where's he from? Uh, he's a North Carolina guy, oh. so you know he's got that whole uh, our football is better. But I'm like, my guy, check check <laughs> check the, the, the statistics. Check anything you want to check. Most guys in the league, ESPN top 100, whatever you want to Google. Use the Google machine. Use the Twitter machine. Louisiana <laughs> football is the football. Your boy was sitting there trying to say that North Carolina football was better. I'm not. I don't. Yes, you you are you are just as puzzled as I am. Based on what? You got a forty thousand seat stadium, and they've never been to a like they've never been to a New Year's Six game. Like their most I successful season ever was Mac Brown was there like ninety eight, and I think they won nine games. I can't say that I was puzzled because I still am puzzled. I am puzzled, <laughs> perplexed, disheveled, and discombobulated all at the same time. We got to get some more of the show. That'll be fun. So, all right. So then LSU wins the Natty, and then what does he say? Nothing, literally That's nothing. Right. He had no words. He had no words. We, we we all sat there and watched the uh watched the game on a projector. Um, I of course showboated and and gloated the entire game. Um, and when the clock hit zero zero, as a matter of fact, I already had the fight song downloaded on my phone. I'm on my phone. <laughs> so when I started playing it, everyone was upset. Then I showed up the next day at breakfast playing it again, and then I got on the bus on the way to practice playing it again and then I played it in the locker room again and then I played it after practice again and then I repeated it repeated it and kept playing the fight song. Did anybody get super pissed at you? Um so there's two things about that. The first part is they did, but the second part is I didn't really care. Bingo. So you know, that kind of just, you know, 1 plus 1 equals 2. ABC easy. If you want to see the full interview with Garrett Brumfield, you can check out the After Further Review YouTube channel. Please subscribe when you're there as well. All right, we'll knock out our final break of the show. Uh, When we come back, the NBA has altered its draft guidelines for this year. How might that impact the LSU draft-eligible players? We'll talk about it next. Locked on LSU, your team every day. Uh, The NBA has set guidelines on draft prospect workouts. So they sent this memo to the 30 NBA teams. And what we learned here is that organizations are going to be prohibited from conducting in-person workouts or interviews with draft-eligible players. This is until further notice. So effectively, there will be no combine, and teams can't do individual workouts with prospects. 
everyone's adhering to the 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 shelter in place um you know edicts so similar to what's going on in the NFL draft the NBA draft is having it as well teams can conduct virtual interviews with prospects but they're limited to a total of 4 hours with any single player and teams are prohibited from requesting video of recent workouts so the only thing teams can study game film or practice sessions that occurred before the suspension of play on March 11th. So anything they have before March 11th, they can study, but nothing since. So I am fascinated by this because I do think this decision is going to have a potentially massive impact on on the draft and mostly on college prospects who are deciding whether to declare or not. Because remember, college prospects can declare go through the combine process and then withdraw. Well, if there's no combine process, why would you de- why would you declare unless if you just intended to leave? There will always be some guys who regardless of whether they're going to be drafted or not are ready to leave school. Not everybody wants to be in college. Not everybody wants to go to school. There are many people that see that as a means to an end. Shocking, I know, but I'm not to blame them. Do you? It's they're operating under the guidelines that exist right now where you've got to go to school for at least a year before you can go to the NBA. So as absurd as it is, some guys have to do that. And some guys don't want to go to class. They don't want to be in school. And so the first opportunity they have to jump, they're going to jump regardless of if they're drafted or not. If they don't get drafted, they'll go play internationally or G League or something. They'll just start getting paid to play instead of being in school. Okay, I got no problem with that. But the guy that is a marginal first-round pick or a marginal draft prospect who really was going to benefit from the combine process to see what the evaluations on him were and now doesn't have the benefit of that information and making a more educated decision might just default to going back to school. In part why earlier this week we talked about James Bishop leaving LSU. You know, Will Wade has seven guys coming in in this recruiting class. Two transfers, two signees, and three commitments. So he's got seven. You've got three seniors that are out the door and four potential draft prospects. And now James Bishop is out, which tells you all seven of those guys ain't going to be gone. The four draft prospects, at least somebody's coming back. One of the four, at least. How many among Williams, Smart, Days, and Watford? That remains to be seen. But I think this could be huge. Because, look, Prospects that have made up their mind, cool. Like last year, for last year's NBA draft, there were 175 college underclassmen that declared. Let me put this into perspective for you. There are 60 picks in the NBA draft. That 175 doesn't even include seniors and international players, of which there were 58 in last year's draft. Even if Every pick in the draft was a college underclassman. Two-thirds of those that declared still wouldn't be picked. The point is, a lot of guys just don't want to be in school. They're ready to go be professionals. Okay, those guys are going to leave. But what if you're Trenton Watford and the range on you is anywhere from the 40s to the 70s, depending on which scout you look at? And now you don't have the opportunity to go work out for scouts to see if you could get feedback and maybe elevate your draft stock. Do you come back to school? If so, that's a huge win for LSU if you get Watford back for a sophomore year. I've said this many times. 
the seven players coming in, if LSU gets those four guys back, Smart, Days, Williams, Watford, I don't think they're going to get all four, but if they did, plus the seven coming in, LSU is the preseason favorite to win the SEC next year and is a legitimate Final Four contender. See how this goes. The, the, the NBA's decision today is massive. Now, by the way, the, the draft is still scheduled for June 25th. So unless if that moves, the the schedule stays in place for the, the de- deadline to declare and then the deadline to withdraw, which is early June. I believe it's June 3rd is the deadline to withdraw before the draft on June 25th. So we'll keep an eye on that because that's really going to shape a lot of college basketball rosters moving forward. All right, that's going to do it for us here on a Wednesday edition of the Locked on LSU podcast. If you've not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast. However you listen to your podcast, we appreciate you for being here. We will be back tomorrow with more Locked on LSU, your team every day.